Hello and welcome to episode number 145 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Blue Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline, and we're back with another look ahead to the 2020 college football season and the 2021 NFL Draft. Amidst all the current uncertainty regarding COVID-19 and the upcoming fall campaign, we're still here for you to wrap up our look at the top prospects from the back half of the ACC from North Carolina through Wake Forest. But before we get into that, Tony, we discussed Georgia Tech on last week's show, and you have since realized that you left somebody out who you really wanted to discuss. So the floor is yours. Yeah, I guess somewhat my fault, but then I can't be blamed totally for it. You know, with all these graduate transfers, sometimes guys slip through the cracks. And what happened was I was watching the Vanderbilt film because I'm done with the SEC, and there was a tackle on Vanderbilt by the name of Devin Cochran, who uh, I liked off of the 2018 film. And I liked him even more off the 2019 film. But I didn't see him listed on the depth chart. And uh, I, he was not even graded by scouts. But I liked him more and more. When I did a little bit of research, I found out, of course, he was a graduate transfer to Georgia Tech. Now, when we spoke about Georgia Tech last week, we talked about Zach Quiney uh, being one of or their top offensive uh, rated prospect, uh, the offensive tackle. Keep an eye on this kid, Devin Cochran. Devin Cochran reminds me a lot of Justin School, who you may remember. School was a guy who came out of Vanderbilt, was lowly graded by scouts, went on to have a, a tremendous uh, Shrine Game performance, was a six-round pick, made the uh, Niners roster, started a bunch of games last year uh, when their starting tackle, Joe Staley, was injured. Really did a good job for a guy who was a six-round pick playing on a team that eventually won the NFC Championship. When I look at Cochran, he's a little bit taller. He's probably a little bit more athletic, a little more agile. I'm shocked that uh, he was not graded by scouts, or I, would sh- I should say scouts I've talked to do not have a grade on him. I have him as a fifth-round choice. Uh, so Georgia Tech, he's already listed uh, starting as their right tackle, I believe, although he played left tackle at Vanderbilt. Keep the, name on, uh, keep the name of Devin Cochran uh, on the tip of your tongue when you watch uh, Georgia Tech. And it was a guy that I failed to mention last week because I had him on my Vanderbilt sheet. Now, speaking of last week's show, we did mention that the ACC had 27 draft picks back in April. Out of those 27, 12 came from the teams that we'll discuss on today's show, including Patriots third-round pick, tight end Dalton Keene from Virginia Tech. Five of these seven teams also had exactly two players drafted, And while there's no Clemson and really no Florida State or Miami either, this is a group that, despite the 2020 results, could actually produce several second-day picks next April. A lot of upside, a lot of potential down the road. But really, this is the poor redheaded stepchild, as they say, to the first group of ACC teams that we did a week ago. And we'll get that redheaded stepchild started here with the University of North Carolina. The Tar Heels had two players in Mobile in January for the 2020 Reese's Senior Bowl. Those same two players, both tackles, were drafted on day three in April. Offensive tackle Charlie Heck and defensive tackle Jason Strobridge, although he might play a little more end in Miami, that remains to be seen. But the Tar Heels have had 13 players selected overall since a two-year drought in 2015 and 2016. And there are no tackles on this year's draftable list for UNC. But there are two players with second-day grades. Senior linebacker Chaz Surratt, a former dual-threat quarterback, moved to linebacker before last season and really broke out in a big way. Runner-up for ACC Defensive Player of the Year, had 115 tackles, 15 for loss, 
along with six and a half sacks. And he shows ability in coverage as well. The athleticism really stands out on the field, but he's also polished enough to make the transition from quarterback to linebacker as smoothly as he did in his first year at a new position. Wide receiver Diami Brown led the team with 1,034 receiving yards, had 12 touchdowns in 2019, over 20 yards per catch. He's a big play player as a true sophomore. Should have no issue repeating that now as a junior in 2020 as the speedster continues to grow with young stud quarterback Sam Howell. Yeah, I mean, his name is Diami. You might as well call him Dynamic because that is exactly what he is on the field. I, I mean, he's got decent size, or I should say decent length. He probably goes about six foot tall, maybe a shade underneath it. And he plays fast. I mean, he is a vertical threat. He is a great downfield pass catcher. Uh, he, he, you know, you talked about the, the, the yardage that he caught. A lot of it is down the field. Big plays from the line of scrimmage. But he also does a real good job on the crossing patterns. So I think he's a guy that just has to physically fill out. Uh, He's someone who I presently grade right now as a third rounder. I think he's one of those guys that if he progresses and he should with the quarterback that's throwing him the ball could move up draft boards, dynamic player to watch. Chaz Surratt, I have him graded as a third rounder, as you mentioned. I, I was surprised when I talked to scouts, most of them have him as a day three pick. I disagree. I mean, he is your traditional weak side linebacker in a 4-3, a three-down player, a guy who gives it up against the run, great instincts, and I think a lot of his field vision comes from his quarterback playing days, outstanding in pursuit, covers a lot of area on the field. I I see no reason why Surratt should not be a a second-day pick. You go back and you watch the Clemson film, and he was sensational in that game, but he was good throughout the season. I, I, right now, obviously, a guy like that who's probably going to go about six foot two, under two hundred thirty pounds, he's going to have to run relatively well, and that means low four sevens, high four sixes, and he plays to that speed. Uh, I mentioned Sam Howell; he's not draft eligible. The quarterback, six two, two hundred twenty five pounds, really a guy who is has a lot of upside potential. Someone who should just get better as he receives more and more playing time. I already have a potential first round grade on him. We'll see what happens over the course of the next two years. One uh, final guy to keep, keep an eye on, uh, Michael Carter, the running back. Some scouts grade him as a middle-round pick. I think he's more of a last-day choice, sort of a third-down back situational ball carrier who I think will have a place at the next level. Now staying in-state and moving over to NC State, also a team with two day-three picks this past April, another defensive tackle in Laurel Murchison, who was also in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and defensive end James Smith-Williams. 19 players drafted total in the past five years. And like their cross-straight rival, the Tar Heels, they have a potential second-day linebacker on the roster in Isaiah Moore. Nice size. Numbers dropped a bit for Moore as a sophomore after an impressive freshman season. But he has good size and athletic ability. Just want to see some more continued development out of him in 2020 rather than a backwards trajectory that does nobody any good for the future. Defensive tackle Aleem McNeil could eventually follow Murchison as a future third-day pick at the position. Unlike Moore, though, McNeil improved in his sophomore season from five-and-a-half tackles for loss and and three-and-a-half sacks to seven-and-a-half tackles for loss and and five-and-a-half sacks, has nose tackle size. But as you can see from those numbers, he's not devoid of athleticism or the ability to make plays in the backfield. Yeah, I think part of the problem for Moore was that North Carolina State went from a 4-3, which he seemed as a better fit in, to a 3-4 last year, which really, I think, uh, helped 
McNeil because he was placed on the nose tackle. Moore's very athletic. He's explosive. He gets great depth on his pass drops. It's just a matter of him getting acclimated to the new system, which he seemed to struggle at and which seemed to not fit him in 2019. Uh, His 2018 film was better. Scouts will agree on that. I have him as a third rounder. Scouts I've spoken with who have looked at him because he is a fourth year junior think he's more third day prospect. I just like his upside. I I like his athleticism. He plays vicious, nasty football. And for the most part, he's instinctive. McNeil, I don't know that he's a natural nose tackle. He's a guy who's probably going to come in about six foot one, 310 pounds, potential three technique guy, maybe a nose tackle in a one gap system. Uh, one gap system, meaning you have three guys line up with their hand on the ground, and then you have your uh, linebacker standing over tackle on a consistent basis. But but somebody uh, who's got a decent amount of upside, uh, Meek Emizi, uh, the receiver, he's all over the boards as far as scouts is concerned. I've had I've talked to some scouts who think he could slide into the late part of day two of the draft. Others believe he's a free agent. I have him as a late round pick, uh, a six round choice. Terrific size, six foot two, 210 pounds, real good pass catcher, but a guy who, as we've talked about time and time again, a big body receiver who I believe is just going to struggle separating to the next level. Now moving on here to the University of Pittsburgh, just two draft picks, the last two drafts, seventh round corner Dane Jackson in April and fifth round running back Quadri Allison in 2019 after they had eight between 2019 and 2018. 15 total picks though for Pitt since its own two-year draft route in 2012 and 2013. But from 2014 to 2018, four Panthers were selected on the second day, and there could be a bunch more coming in the near future. Junior defensive tackle Jalen Twyman and senior defensive end Patrick Jones really anchor the Panthers' defensive line. Both come with day two draft grades as well. Twyman had 10 and a half sacks in 2019. Jones had eight and a half. Twyman, more of a three-technique tackle, a bit on the small side, not quite as small as former Panther Aaron Donald, who obviously has overcome any size deficiencies he had in the NFL. But Twyman is quick and explosive, also disruptive up front, as is Jones. Jones is also a bit smaller and a more effective speed rusher than a power rusher. Moving back to the secondary, the junior safety Paris Ford was the leading tackler for Pitt last season with 97 tackles. Also had three interceptions and three forced fumbles with 11 pass breakups as well. So the ball skills are obvious when you watch him on film and also on the stat sheet, as is his ability against the run. He's well under 200 pounds, though, but shows the range to be an effective free safety who can kind of do a little bit of everything. That trio sits at the top of the pit draft board, but there are some others at those same positions also deserving of mention. Isn't that right, Tony? Yeah, we could probably do 20 minutes on Pittsburgh, especially on their defense. Uh, They are going to be... Uh, a tough squad to sc- uh, score against this year. You mentioned two of their defensive linemen. Twyman is just an explosive guy. I mean, he's one of those defensive linemen that he's impossible to stop off the first step. Doesn't have the great size, doesn't have the great strength, as you mentioned. But his first step is he looks like he was shot out of a cannon. He's also more than just a straight line guy. He can change direction, get down the line of scrimmage and out in space in pursuit to make plays. Uh, has some growth limitations besides the fact that he's just a little bit small. Again, as you, I would agree, he's a three-technique type of guy, maybe a defensive end in a three-man front, depending on how it's aligned. He's a playmaker. There's no doubt about it. And it'll, it'll be up to a uh, creative defensive coordinator to find a place for him to the next level. I know there was some talk he considered coming out last year as a redshirt sophomore. I'd be shocked if after this year he doesn't make the jump. 
I presently have him as a day two pick, late second, early third round. You mentioned Patrick Jones. Some scouts have him as a late third rounder. That's where I have him. There are others who feel he's mid-second round. He's basically your speed rusher. He's your edge rusher. As you mentioned, a little bit undersized, but he's fast up the field. He plays with balance off the edge. He creates a lot of havoc, but he's also small. He gets easily oppositioned uh, by opponents, and he's sort of like Twyman in a sense that he's got to get that first step off of opponents. I absolutely love Paris Ford. I mean, doesn't have great size, but he's got excellent ball skills. He plays tough, nasty football. He shows a sense of ur- uh, sense of urgency, and he plays with a sense of suddenness on the field where he'll flash out of nowhere. Real good run defender, covers the middle of the field, high amount of upside. I like Jason Pinnock, the cornerback, uh, much higher than scouts. I've got him as a, uh, a day three pick. Some scouts think he's a free agent. I don't think he played as well as he did in 2019 as, as he did the prior year, but he's got an upside. Keep an eye on Rashad Weaver, who missed last year with an injury. He's got better size than Patrick Jones. He's more of a complete three-down defender, not as good as a pure pass rusher, but someone who's stouter against the run. Based off of his uh, uh, his 2018 film, I'm looking at him as a fifth, sixth-round pick. I've spoken with some scouts who feel that he could uh, be a fourth-rounder, which I would agree. It's just a matter of him getting back to playing form and elevating his game. And I got to tell you, I am a big fan of Damar uh, Hamlin, their other safety. He's probably bigger than Paris Ford. He obviously is not as fast. He's one of those guys who's a safety who's going to run in the high four fives, low four sixes. But he is just a smart, instinctive football player. He's constantly around the ball, making positive plays. He's constantly working well with cornerbacks to bracket receivers over, over the middle of the field. He doesn't have any mental uh, lapses. Uh, very productive in a variety of ways just isn't a great athlete. But I think all those guys are going to find their way into the draft or be priority free agents in the 2021 draft. And like I said, you know, the Pittsburgh defense is going to be one to watch this year, uh, the upcoming season. Now taking a look at the Syracuse Orange, who had two players drafted for the first time since 2014 back in April, defensive end Alton Robinson and kicker Sterling Hoffrichter. Just 14 overall selections the past decade, though. None in 2015 or 2017, and that could also be the case in 2021 if no juniors declare. There's not one senior on the Orange roster with a draftable grade. There are three junior defensive backs who fit that bill, though. Safety Andre Sisco and cornerbacks Trill Williams and Afito Melifanu, the younger brother of former 2017 second-round pick Obi Melifanu to the Oakland Raiders. Sisco, right now as it stands, is the active FBS leader with 12 career interceptions. He's got great range of ball skills, missed some time with a lower body injury in 2019, but still managed 65 tackles as well. He's a guy who should go on day two if he declares early for the 2021 draft. Williams and Melifanu both have nice size, both have upside, and they've flashed at times. They're each entering their second seasons as starters. Williams as a nickelback, Melifanu as an outside corner. They both currently rate as late rounders, but there's definitely room for ascension in what looks to be one of the ACC's better secondaries, possibly along with the aforementioned Pitt Panthers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, Cisco is graded by some scouts who I've talked to as an early second round choice. I have him more as a third rounder. You know, he, he's not, he doesn't, he's not as big or he doesn't look as big on film as he's listed, which is about five ten and a half, two hundred five pounds, but he is explosive. You mentioned his ball skills, watch him against the run because he is a guy that will come off, come up the field 
and, and just explode through ball handlers. He's a hard-hitting guy that intimidates opponents, kind of leaves them stunned. He's got great range. He's got great upside. Really want to see what his measurables are. He's got the speed to, to play at the next level. I, I, you know, I, I think the height and weight will determine how early he goes in the second round. I've got a very good feeling he is going to enter the draft, from what I'm told. And he will be one of the top safeties, I believe, for the 2021 draft. Trill Williams is, as you said, I would agree, you know, he's flash skill and he's got excellent size, six foot tall, 190 pounds. I know some scouts I spoke with who think he's a, a potential third round uh, selection. I don't agree. I think at the top of his game, he's a third round selection. But the thing is, is we don't always see him at the top of his game. You said it. He slashes. He doesn't show great consistency. He doesn't show the consistency of his teammate, Andre Sisko, who's constantly around the ball making plays. You know, Melifanyu, hopefully he turns out better than his brother. His brother was a guy who made a massive leap up draft boards because he was a great athlete versus being an ordinary football player. I think the younger Melifanyu is more consistent. He also, I believe, is going to test pretty well. He's got decent size. Six foot two, 203 pounds. He's got solid ball skills. Uh, the, the older Melifanyu was getting a, a rap because he wasn't a tough physical guy. Early, early draft pick, I believe he's been on a bunch of teams. Well, ho- hopefully the younger one can uh, pull, pull it together and exceed the expectations or at least meet the expectations that were placed upon his brother. Now, Virginia, for the third straight year, had two draft picks after none in 2017. 15 players selected total the past 10 drafts, four of whom have gone in the top 100 which is a possibility for senior outside linebacker Charles Snowden, whose height matches that of taller offensive lineman. He's a good athlete, 11 tackles for loss, five sacks last season. Not allergic to playing in space either. Fellow linebacker Noah Taylor, just a junior, but he has a day three grade, 57 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, and seven sacks in 2019. Another linebacker with great height and athletic ability who could improve on his draft grade with a big season. Staying on defense for the Cavaliers, Senior safety Joey Blunt, 95 tackles last year, six and a half for loss, and three sacks. Also added three interceptions. He's a true free safety who could go late on the third day and give Virginia another draft with multiple selections after the past couple of seasons. You know, Charles Stone's a real good football player. He's someone I've enjoyed watching the past two years. Hopefully, I'm expecting big, uh, good things from him this year. I think the problem for Snowden is his build. He's a high-cut guy who's going to struggle protecting his legs at the next level. He's got to really fill out his frame. Uh, the, if you watch uh, UVA, they use him more as a traditional linebacker. He's not just a 3-4 up-the-field uh, type of pass rusher. He makes a lot of plays in space, makes a lot of plays with his head as well as with his athleticism. I think it'll come down to a situation where you know a lot of teams don't like those high-cut guys. And when I mean high-cut guys, I mean guys with long legs where their hips uh, uh, sit up high because they have their legs easily taken out from them. And he's a little bit thin, so he's going to have to fill out. Noah Taylor is your traditional, what we're seeing more and more of in college these days, undersized linebacker, safety-sized linebacker who just runs to the ball with great speed and an explosion, both in a straight line as well as laterally. I mean, you, you look at these guys, 6'3", 218 pounds, that used to be strong safety size, and now they're playing linebacker in college, and they're tra- transitioning to that position at the next level. Regardless, I, I like to see Taylor complete his game but he has the athleticism and speed to play at the next level. And he's what the NFL wants these days, a, a, a smaller guy who gets from point A to point B as quickly as possible. I've got Taylor right now as a six-round choice. I could absolutely see him making a move up towards the second day if he 
physically matures, fills out his frame, and just continues to improve his game. Now for our second in-state move of the show, we'll cross Virginia to look at Virginia Tech, a program which, after having five players selected in 2018, including two first-rounders, they had just one pick the past two seasons, aforementioned third-rounder Dalton Keene. And while the 2021 draft may not provide very many fireworks with just one draftable senior, there are several juniors that do provide hope for the future of the Hokies in the draft, and even next April if they declare early. And that includes junior left tackle Christian Darasaw, comes into the year with a second-round grade, first-year starter in 2019, an impressive athlete who does a nice job protecting the edge, good footwork, has some guard potential as well if teams don't end up loving him at the tackle position. Junior cornerback Caleb Farley, physical player, a little too physical at times, but also has good ball skills, four interceptions and 12 pass breakups last season as a sophomore. A lot of people would say that he didn't develop as hoped in his second year, but progression when it comes to football players and athletes in general really isn't always linear. So he certainly could climb up draft boards if he plays well in 2020. And that lone senior I mentioned earlier, safety divine Diablo, a player many scouts love, is a big intimidating box safety type. But Tony, I know you don't like him quite as much. Tell us why. You know, he's a guy that really has to face the action and play downhill. I know uh, talking with some scouts, they think he's a potential second-day pick. I've graded him as a fifth-rounder. When you look at his size speed number, 6'2 223 pounds, runs in the low to mid four fives, you know, there's a lot, a lot to like about his game. And, you know, he'll make those highlight real type of hits that you'll see on ESPN where he's separating the ball from the opponent. The problem is, is he's got to play between the numbers, he's got to play downhill, and he's got to play facing the action. He struggles mightily trying to make plays with his back to the ball. He struggles if he's got to play over the slot receiver. He is strictly a zone safety, strong safety type if he's not moved to linebacker because at 6'2 223 pounds, he looks like he has the frame to easily get up to 230 pounds. So I just don't like him as much as scouts do. Uh, and some, as I said, have him graded as highly as a second-day pick. You know, I, I don't know. I, I know that some people were, were down on Celeb Farley last year, and I agree with you. At times, he's a little too physical for his own good, and he's a type of uh, cornerback that if he doesn't learn to use his hands properly, he's going to get called for pass interference incessantly at the next level. But when I watched him, he is a playmaker. He's a guy that's got outstanding ball skills. He was someone that opposing quarterbacks consistently stayed away from. He's a cornerback that not only has size, but he makes plays with his back to the ball. He's not a guy who just face guards and plays the receiver's hands. I like Celeb Farley. I could absolutely see him entering the draft off a good 2020 campaign and being a third-round selection uh, in the 2021 uh, draft. Christian Darasaw really doesn't get a lot of mention, but he was someone who just really stood out to me when I watched him on film. Decent size, 6'4 and a half. Uh, Excellent footwork, excellent movement skills. A guy who is very athletic for a left tackle. Maybe they kick him inside as his own blocking guard, but he has a future at the next level. One guy to keep an eye on that is rarely mentioned, Raheem Blackshear, transfer from Rutgers. If you go back and you watch the 2018 film and 2019 when he was healthy, he was one of the few Rutgers players that was actually worth watching. Uh, a guy who was a real good ball carrier, Solid pass catcher out of the backfield. He's a little bit smaller, but he's, he's shifty. He's creative, and he also uh, run, plays with a, uh, a tough style. So I think Blackshear is one of those guys. I have him graded as a seventh-round pick. I could see him fitting in at the next level as a third-down back situational ball carrier. 
Our final team in the ACC is Wake Forest. 13 draft picks the last two years, no more than two in any year since 2012. But the Demon Deacons right now have three draftable players, and all of them have top 100 potential, starting with senior defensive end Carlos Basham, a guy we discussed on last year's show as well. Really made a big leap on the stat sheet from 11 tackles for loss and four and a half sacks as a sophomore to 18 tackles for loss and 11 sacks as a junior. A lot of people were surprised he didn't enter this past April's draft. He's got great height and length. He's explosive off the edge, and he plays the run just as well as he plays the pass. 121 tackles the past two seasons, a lot for a defensive end in college, and he has solid size to remain as a 4-3 defensive end as well. His teammate on defense, Nasir Greer, a junior safety who made 65 tackles in 2019 with one interception and three forced fumbles, a physical player who can also make plays on the ball in addition to being a good athlete. Now, the last Wake prospect of note may not be the level of athlete Greer is, but he's just good at football. And that's junior wide receiver Sage Surratt, the brother of Chaz Surratt, who we mentioned earlier when we discussed the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, Sage Surratt took over Greg Dorsch's role as the team's top receiver in 2019, 66 receptions for 1,001 yards and 11 touchdowns before he had his season cut short by a shoulder injury in November. And now he does have some chemistry with new quarterback Sam Hartman, who started much of the 2018 season for Wake Forest, but it remains to be seen how much of Surratt's breakout 2019 he can sustain without Jamie Newman, who will now be under center for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, we go back to Basham. I mean, if you listen to the podcast from a year ago, Basham was one of my top-rated prospects in the entire ACC. Forget about Wake Forest. It wasn't even close. He was far and away the best uh, prospect on Wake Forest. There was a lot of talk that Basham was going to enter last year's draft. The way I heard it was he had gotten a second-round grade from scouts, uh, and there was talk he could go first round, but I, I believe situation where he wanted to go back or family members wanted him to go back to get his uh his degree had he entered the draft uh he in my opinion he would have been the fourth uh prospect from the acc to be selected after isaiah simmons after mickey beckton and after aj terrell the way things uh panned out uh, he has developed you know he's not just a pass rusher who also plays the run he's a smart guy he's an instinctive guy he's a physically gifted uh, front seven player who goes six foot uh, three and a half, 270 pounds. And he probably plays where he's going to time. I'm sorry. He's going to time in the four sevens and he plays that speed, but you can also see on film. He's someone who remains disciplined with his assignments. He doesn't just run around the field aimlessly. He makes plays out in space. He occupies the gaps. He does what is necessary to fit the system. I personally have him graded as a second round choice. I know there are some scouts who think he's more late third round. There are also scouts that have him as one of the top three senior prospects in the nation and think he's top 20. We'll have to wait and see. One thing is going to be certain. When Wake Forest plays, Basham is going to be a guy that is focused on an opponent's game plan around him because he's that disruptive. You mentioned his stats. But I don't think that matters because of the intelligence he plays with. Nasir Greer is someone who really stood out to me on film. He's athletic. He's got great range. Like Basham, he plays smart, intelligent football, constantly around the action, going to be a third-year junior. I expect some improvement, or I'm expecting some improvement, and for Greer to take the next step in his game. I have him great as a third-rounder, which is higher than most people but I think he, he's got that potential. So Rod's a terrific uh, receiver, 
But as you said, you know, he's just not a great athlete. Goes about six foot two, 205 pounds. He's coming off that injury from a year ago. He's just not fast. I mean, he shows limited quickness, limited explosion, uh, no burst in his game. A real good pass catcher who I think is probably going to be a, a, a day three possession receiver when he eventually enters the draft. And that's it for the 145th episode of the Draft Analyst presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back next week to look at the first half of the conference that always has the biggest effect on the NFL draft, the vaunted SEC. But until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night.